Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 94. Brian Barlow, referee hero. I call him that because this guy really, really is awesome. He is someone that I've wanted to talk to for a long time. He started the Offside page on YouTube, which is where you can send him a video of parents abusing a referees on a youth soccer sideline or youth sports sideline, and he'll give you 100 bucks. He is also a corporate consultant, started his own company called Innovate Crazy. There's so much for us to talk about. Unfortunately, this episode is a little bit short because he had to get on his way, but this is just part one. We will have a part two, and it will be very good, I promise. This is a great way to whet your appetite, get you started. Enjoy. This is Brian Barlow. I'm going to just explain first where I heard of you and why I've wanted to talk to you for what is now probably three years at least. Yeah. I heard about you on the Coaching Journey podcast, and what I really enjoyed as a youth soccer coach was a referee with the stones about him to go and call out things that I saw in the youth game that drove me absolutely crazy. Yeah. And then from there, I just have kind of kept up with what you do. And yeah. it's, it's an awesome thing. So first, just introduce yourself, where you're from, where you've ref, And then I also want you to make sure you talk about Innovate Crazy. Got it. So, uh, well, first off, uh, when I first started offside, they told me it was going to be referee suicide. Uh, you know, the referees are not supposed to be heard. They're not supposed to be seen. They're supposed to blend into the back background. And so when I first started, I got a lot of pushback from the referee community. Oddly enough, I'm like probably the, I don't I hate to use the word famous, but most popular referee nationally from an advocacy standpoint, as far as the protection, the treatment, the development, and the overall behavior of, uh, of how referees should number one act and how people should act in front of referees. So it's odd how, how it switched, but yeah, I'm from, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm registered in Arizona as a referee. I do college. I've done semi-pro. I get to travel all over the country and and do this thing called uh, uh, being a soccer referee that I absolutely just love. And really I just got into it because I, I was getting older and uh, I like to eat Mexican food and queso and chips and salsa and, and I was getting gaining weight. And I'm like, you know, I, I tore my left uh, knee up really bad. I have a titanium left knee. I couldn't play soccer anymore. And I missed the game and wanted to be involved. So I got my knee replaced and I got back into, into refing soccer. And, and it just so it's, it's the best seat in the house. I mean, it's like the best seat in the house if you like to watch sports. It is. Right? It really is. So, um, Better so than the coach's that. view. Yeah. You know, I did have, I had a coach in, I was in Florida refing and I had a coach who was so mad at the ref before our game. And he walked up and uh, he goes, you guys are pathetic. He goes, uh, I could referee from the bench. And he was being serious. And uh, that's when I, I think that was, I was like six months into starting the offside page. That, that mindset from that coach, I just wanted to grab him and go, dude, you have no idea what we go through at a high level. You know, a lower level referee, sure. You know, they're, they're out there learning. They're making mistakes. And we, we, we're learning and making mistakes too. Don't get me wrong. But there's just a different hierarchy of, of how an upper level referee refs that unless you just know all the ins and outs of it, you will never truly appreciate what a upper level referee means to a very competitive soccer game or any game for that matter. And I just want to for grab sure. him and go, dude, if you only knew what it takes to be a referee at this level, you would appreciate and respect us. And so that's my cry. That's my cry. It's like, you know, I, I wish I could get people to understand that number one, we're human. Number two, we're, we're good citizens. 99% of us are, 
good citizens of this country and uh, of this world and this planet. And we love this sport. We're passionate about it. We, we want to be involved. We, we love the players. We love the game. We love the strategy. But man, when you add the parents or the toxic coaches to the sideline, it oftentimes creates a very to toxic, hostile environment that takes away from the game. And now it becomes a, a very um, cesspool-filled competition as opposed to a, an opportunity for development, for sportsmanship, for gamesmanship. And that's, that's really my cry. Is I, I just wish people would understand if, if you take the emotions and the negativity out of it and you just have a, two teams going at it and a decent referee and two decent coaches, that's the beautiful game. Yep. Yeah. You don't know how, you don't know how many times me or other referees have had to take the toxic out of the game. And when you do, it becomes the game. And it's sad that we have to take those measures and steps because we shouldn't have to. But when that happens, that's when the game is at its best. And this is actually, you mentioned the offside page just to give everyone an idea of what that is. And that was where I really started I following you. No intro, worries. No, 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 no. This is perfect. This is, this is, this is the way conversations go, right? We, um, what's so cool about this and the impact it had on me was, oh my God, this guy's actually saying, send me a video of parents losing their minds on the sideline. I'll send you a hundred bucks. Yeah. I was like, this is going to make a difference. And then watching sort of, you know, yeah, I just saw you on interviews and network TV and different things like that. And I was like, this is making an impact. And it's because when you do watch those videos, you, you don't want to be that you, it, it, whether you are that or not, it's so cringe, right. That you're just like, Oh, this. And I, I think the, the idea of getting people on video and putting them in a place where they can actually see themselves and be able to self-reflect if they choose to, obviously that's a whole other story, but it, it is, it was a really positive thing. I, and I loved that you were willing to be so brash about it because you, and like you said, you got pushback from the referees. That makes me wonder, like, do you think USSF and like the referee associations really do enough to send that message of protection or at least draw a line? Because oh, I've got kids that I coach, uh, some of the players I coach, they, they're referees. And I always tell them, like, throw out anyone that starts yelling at you. Just do it. There's, they can't do anything to you. Like, they aren't just going to start walking on the field and, and like, they aren't going to do anything. They are eventually going to stick the tail between their legs and walk away sure. and making an example of them is the best thing you can do. Is that, that's what I tell the players. Do you think that the governing bodies and everything is helping to empower no. them? No. So what, what could be done better then? What, what are a few things that solutions you have? So, so listen, no, they, they don't do enough. They, they, they all talk a big game. The, 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 the no tolerance policy and all that. And that's where I got the pushback from is, you know, Barlow, you're just a referee and, and, you know, you're not perfect yourself and, you know, you should concentrate on being a referee. And, you know, and I, and I sat back and I heard all that stuff and I'm just thought, you know, no, no, my kids were starting to ref. And, you know, you, you mentioned innovate crazy earlier. I, I can saw I'm, I'm a motivational speaker. I consult for uh, medium, large businesses, corporations all the time about the impact of progressive media and social media and one of my big staples to that conversation is sometimes in order to get the attention that you want, in order to make 
progress that you want in order to cut through the crowd, you have to make a bold statement. Sometimes that statement is controversial. So, you know, one night I'm just sitting in my house. I'm like, you know what, Barlow, do what you preach. Because I was I was starting to just kind of like listen to all the uh, the, na- the naysayers. And, you know, you're just a ref and just be a ref. And I don't know. No, you go out, you figure out a way to make a bold statement. You stand by that statement and be strong in it. So my statement was, listen, if you capture referee abuse at any single game and you send me the video of it and I post it on this page, I'm going to send you $100. Little did I know that I got a, I, when I got that first video, number one, that video went viral. Number two, I had no idea all the media that was out there watching this. Two mm. weeks later, I get a call from the New York Times, Bill, uh, Bill Patterson. Barlow, this is Bill from the New York Times, and we've been following you and your page for a couple of weeks now, and we'd like to come do a story for you. I was laughing. I was like, oh, seriously, <laughs> dude, I thought it was a prank, you know, because I was getting a little bit of publicity locally, and so my referee buddies are all like, uh, you know, making fun of me for being on television. <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, this is a prank. I hung up. I hung up. He calls me back. Hey, Barlow, this is Bill. I think we got disconnected from the New York Times. Wondering if we could come out. I'm like, is it? Are you serious? They come out, they fly out, they spend two days with me, refing, talking to people in the community about soccer, uh, other sports, yada, yada, yada. They sit on the story for two and a half months. I thought it was gone. I didn't say a word to anybody because I didn't know. I didn't know. I wake up on one morning in July, three years ago. My phone, I look at my phone, you know, all the, all the red you know, you open it up and all the apps have these red buttons that tell you how many emails and texts and phone calls. And I look at it and it was just like an explosion of red. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Had no idea. The New York Times front sports page, parents behaving badly, presented by Brian Barlow, my picture. My phone had blown up. I, <laughs> I spent the next three and a half weeks traveling the country on every network, Good Morning America, Today Show, Dr. Phil, I mean, all this stuff. That's how the page, so that, that is when the page started to make impact, is when people started really looking at these videos and go, you know what, that's disgusting. I don't want that to be me. So the solution here is accountability. It's, 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 it's I, I use this example all the time and I'm speaking fast because I know you and I don't have a lot of time today, but- Oh, I you're this, good. I, I use this a, a lot. When I, when I go to the Masters, I love golf and I love the Masters. And it's one of the greatest sporting events you'll ever get to witness live and in person because of the beauty that surrounds it. My first year there, what a privilege. I walked to the gate, the green, the, I'm just beautiful. Blue sky, the trees, the azaleas. I'm just like, God, I, I'm at the Masters, man. And I sit down on this foothill and I lean back on the foothill. I'm just, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so thankful. And within 15 seconds, I had people surrounding me. Sir, can we ask you to sit up, please? Uh, yeah, yes. Sir, we're going to ask your name. It's Brian Barlow. Sir, when you agreed to come in by purchasing a, t- a ticket and, and stepping onto the grounds of the Masters in Augusta, you agree that you would stand and or sit upright at all times. There's no laying down at the Masters. If we see you doing this again, we, we're going to revoke your ticket and make sure that you never get invited back to the Masters. Huh. We hate to be harsh, but those are just our expectations. Wow. Yes. So these are the most, people that go to the masters tend to have a little bit of power, influence, money, a combination of all three of those, right? 
they set an expectation. They say, this is the standard. I mean, I'm with a group of people when, when, when some golfers walk out and there's, there's some booing, like a, someone doesn't like boo. People look around. No, 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 no. You don't do that at the masters. When you take a tee shot, a drive, go get in the hole. No, no, no. You don't do that at the masters. My point to this story is this. I get told all the time, money drives you sports. I get it. That doesn't mean you can't set an expectation. Doesn't mean you can't hold people accountable. So my, my cry is this. We have got to set an expectation. When you walk onto the, the baseball diamond, the football field, the ice rink, the soccer pitch, the basketball court, whatever it is, the people that are running the show have to set a standard and a behavioral expectation. Of, this is how you're going to act. This is how you're going to act toward the other athletes, the coaches, the other fans, and the officials. This is how you're going to act. And if you don't, you lose the privilege of watching this event. And then we have to hold people accountable to that. The moment that it happens, sir, I'm going to ask you to leave. Sorry about that, but today's not going to work out for you. When it comes to dealing with people uh, after the fact, you're totally right. There needs to be a certain level of accountability. From a coach's perspective, and I, I, I just, I've seen and witnessed this now over the six years that I've been, you know, just full on coaching all the time, coaching a lot of teams. I never yell at referees ever. If there's any, any of my players, any parents, everyone knows I never, ever, ever. If I communicate with them, it's asking them a question like, can I sub or, you know, like really, I, I just let them do their job. And, it, and honestly, they do fine for the most part. Um, right. I also let my parents know very much at the very beginning of the season. I always say, you will never hear me yell at the referee. Go ahead. Start, start counting. First game, you guys go ahead with a notepad. How many times do you yell at the ref? You will have zero tick marks at the end of the season, which means you also are not allowed to do it either right? The players are expected not to do it. I don't do it. You're not allowed to do it. And I've got pretty docile sidelines. My sister came to a game, my last league game of the season at the end of October. And she, her remark was, I was really impressed with how laid back and sort of chill the sideline was. And I was like, well, this is what it is at my games. At least my, my sidelines are that way. So, you know, from a, there is also the preventative uh, well, say, side of it. Yeah. From a referee, referee groups talk. There are certain coaches, clubs, organizations, associations, college teams that we enjoy refing. In our circles, the coaches that set that standard are our favorites. Because listen, we understand that you guys are making emotional decisions that are passionately driven whenever you're the coach of your specific team. We get that. But the coaches that understand that sometimes you get bad calls, sometimes you get bad referees, sometimes you get bad decisions, and sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your, your way, but you've already set that expectation with your parents or your crowd or your administration, whatever it is, that, hey, this is, this is how I'm going to coach. I'm going to lead this way. These are my expectations on how the, ref, how, how the players uh, treat the officials. This is my expectations on how our crowd, our, our parents, our fan base, whatever it is, treat the officials. It's led by me. Those coaches that set, set the standard and live by that standard, we love. 
and we give the most gratitude for. So if I make a decision, listen, there's a hundred different times I've made a decision. I'm like, God, I think I got that wrong. And you say, hey, man, I didn't like that. I'm going to turn to you because I know what you stand for. I'm going to go, coach, my bad. I think I missed that. Or if I have a coach that's not yelling at me at a lot and I have a 50-50 decision. I'm not sure which way I'm going to go. I'm human. So inside the referee circles, man, what you do and how you do it, those are the type of coaches that oftentimes get the leniency from the officials. Those are things that officials aren't going to tell you. Okay. For sure. I've witnessed it. I've told coaches, I actually walked over to a coach one day because he was going nuts throughout. He'd be constantly yelling about everything. And then, and I said nothing, of course, because a few minutes later, I started getting calls that I could not explain. And so I actually went over to him. I was like, dude, the last three decisions, I agree with you, but you've been yelling so much that this guy's starting to literally give me calls that I don't even think I need or want. Like, right. just right. slow down. I think I, and, and I told him, and he was like, yeah, it's just, this guy sucks. I was like, okay, okay. You know, uh, yeah, but let, like, just let him do it. Cause now the players are going to start getting pissed about the calls because sure. they're going to my team and we don't want that. this game to get out of control. Yeah. And he was totally receptive to that, but it was only after putting the pieces together. Yeah. And you said, coach, you, you're like, I get it. You guys coach with emotion. I actually think that's probably the worst way to coach um, is with like an emotion towards the outcome of the game. It has to be an emotion towards, yeah, your players. And so when, when you're in the middle, this is something I always wonder. You're in the middle. You look across to the sideline, and you can just kind of see the psychology mm-hmm. and, and, and everything. Just basically, you can almost color map it. You can see the person there red with rage, or they're sitting there. They're kind of beige. They're not really doing much. Or when you look across – what's sort of the mentality that you just see and, and the things that you're like, okay, people need to access this part of their own mind. So I'm going to give you this and I have to wrap up and, if, and again, of course, if you want yeah. to part of this, or if you want to have another podcast, yeah, I love your, Oh, we'll do a part two at some point. Yeah. You have a great voice. Um, <clears throat> so, so things that, that referees won't tell you. So there is, there's a game flow and there's the, the IQ level of a referee of an upper level referee is going to, manage what he is he or her is seeing on the sideline and there's a there's a specific part of the field where you can make decisions and i'm going to call it the defensive third coming out okay the defensive third you can call soft fouls all day long to help manage a coach that's feeling like he's not getting a lot of calls or the calls aren't going Mm. his way let's just say there's a little bump coming out okay on the defensive side if i call a little what we call a careless foul coming out and I, I know that coach over there thinks that the foul count's going against him. There's a little bump, probably not a foul. I'm going to blow my whistle. Mm. Went out all day long. The closer we get to the attacking third, I, I need a foul. If you want me to blow my whistle, I need a foul, okay? Now I'm affecting the game, all right? So, so the defensive third, the middle third, a referee can manage the emotions on the sideline. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But we can't. We can't. It's all about game flow. How are the players reacting to your whistle? Are they bitching about every single whistle? Come on, let us play through. A good referee will adjust. Listen, they don't need me today. They're playing through some of these fouls. There's no temper on the sideline from the coaches. I'm going to keep my whistle to myself on this game. There are games where, I hate to say this, but sometimes the women's game where they, you know, they get emotional sometimes. They want the whistle. 
They want the foul, no matter where it is. You blow the whistle and you give it to them. So every game and every dynamic is very, very different, and every coaching situation is very different, and every referee is different. The upper level of the referee, the more psychology that's involved, the more they can manage the game with his, his or her presence on the field and his, his or her foul selection and his or her ability to determine, do they need me today or can they work through this without me? So mm -hmm. every game is different based on all those situational analyses coming into the game from an emotional standpoint, a passion standpoint, a competitive standpoint, an argument standpoint, all that stuff. Makes sense? Of course. And actually that, and that raises a bunch more questions, but we're going to put this on hold because you've got to go, but you know, I, I, yeah, just the energy that, uh, that you bring to your craft, I think is just so key. One of the reasons I just wanted to be able to talk to you. So we will definitely do a part two and uh, we'll get a little more granular the next yeah, time. And you, and you know what? And, and, and sometimes when I go speak at, at big conferences where there's a bunch of coaches, coaches tend to think that referees are on this power trip and, and uh, this ego thing. And I get in front of these coaches and I tell them, Co coach, if, if, you, if, if you only knew that if you treat us more like human beings, we are going to give you so much more leeway and, 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 and when you can get into, in front of a group of coaches, I love that they start asking me questions because now I can teach you how and why I make a decision. Right. The million dollar question is, why do you give me a yellow card when I yell at you? There's a systematic approach. There's a line. Once you get to that line, I have no option but to card you or manage you. And, and so once you once I love coaches that ask questions from a referee standpoint, because once I can get them to understand our mindsets, Man, you can become very tactical and strategic from a coaching standpoint that affects how a referee refs the game, believe it or not. Mm. And man, once you feed them with that and they realize that, that, that that's a thing, man, coaches are much more uh, relational and easier to manage and, and they understand the game even a little bit better. Because let's, let's be honest, they, they, most coaches think that we go out there, we have a whistle, we see a foul, we, we blow the whistle, sometimes we give a card. It's not. There, there's, there is a process. I, I, if I had more time, I'd just go through that. You know, when we blow a whistle, we're determining, is it careless? Is it reckless? Is it excessive? excessive? And if it's one of those, uh, if it's reckless, it's associated with a yellow. If it's excessive, it's associated with a red. Sometimes it just needs a management and stern talking to. Sometimes it just needs body language in this. And sometimes it just needs, <laughs> hey, coach, yeah, I, I get it. I hear you. You know, there's all these different scenarios. And most coaches think, well, you just see it. That's a foul. Blow the whistle. No. There, there's so much more that goes to it. So on a later, on the next one, maybe you can ask me all those questions. I'll give you and all your fellow coaches a little bit more knowledge and maybe it makes them better as coaches understanding that, man, if you can manage the referee better, it's at, at a very advantageous way for you as a soccer coach. I love it. That's a great place for us to right. put this on hold, little intermission. Well, well, go go to your next meeting, enjoy. And, uh, and yeah, we'll be in touch. I'm we can figure out a good time where you've got a little bit more of a window and, and we'll just dive in. Well, I really enjoyed that. That was an awesome chat, even though it was quite brief, but you do get to see there's so much more for us to talk about. And Brian is, look, what an amazing personality. This is a guy he and I have never spoken before, just exchanged some emails tried to set up this meeting for a couple weeks actually and uh, just finally we're able to do it and even in just 20 minutes 
And the first time I've ever spoken to the guy, that is his level of energy. That is his level of passion. These are the types of people that need to be highlighted in our game. And they're the reason why I try to bring them on this show. So anyone who is interested in more about Brian, please go look him up. Offside page on YouTube, Innovate Crazy. And let's stamp the crazy out of the youth soccer game. Thank you so much. This is Campfire Football.